0: You are listening to an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find more interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts. I don't know why I try to fly. The sky's so high. I
1: don't know why I try. Hey, this is a Chirp artist interview. I am Ninja, and we are talking today with Al Rose, singer from Chicago. tell me a little bit about kind of how you got started, like career retrospective for those who aren't familiar with your music?
0: Way back when I was 10 years old, I started playing flute. That was my first instrument. I played it in the school band took lessons, classically trained, that kind of thing. Somewhere around junior, senior, and high school, there was an old battered guitar that my dad had with two or three strings collecting dust. And I restrung it and bought a folk singer's guitar guide and taught myself how to play probably listening off of Bob Dylan,
1: and Cat Stevens records primarily. How did you start playing out shows? Did you form a band? Did you go out solo?
0: I went down to college, University of Illinois, and I met a couple of friends, and we played mostly acoustic, small group singing things. And then when I got out of college, I bought an electric guitar and we got a drummer and a bass player. And then we were a rock band and we played around Chicago. And I started my own thing probably around 1990 or so. First album came out around 1994. And this one that just came out recently is my eighth album. And I still perform with the band, but I also do acoustic shows. I play solo. When I tour, when I go on the road, I tend to do either solo or duo things.
1: And all your albums are solo albums, right? Well, they're solo in the
0: sense that it's my name on it, but the band is on all the records.
1: Tell me about the backing band.
0: The backing band comprises of extraordinary bass player Steve Hashimoto, who's been a mainstay in the Chicago scene, primarily known for his jazz playing but also loves rock and folk and country stuff. Lead guitar player is Steve Doyle. Extraordinary player, has a little more of the country background, but absolutely makes a lot of noise with his Telecaster. Drummer is a guy named Lance Helgeson, who does play and has played with a bunch of bands over the years, and so that is the core quartet. We do the second Sunday of every month at the Montrose Saloon.
1: How do you figure out your sets?
0: I don't make a set list. We do things pretty much on the fly. I, I call audibles. Once in a while, we'll do a show where there's a time constraint where I'll, I'll make a set list that I work off of. But when we do most of our shows, I call the songs as the mood strikes and how is the band, how is the room sounding, how are we feeling? I also like to mix it up. We do a lot of quiet, delicate things, but then I like to follow it up with something loud and raucous and full of rage. Again, the beginner, beginning. Again, alive at the altar with nothing to spend. I spend my life moving beginning to end. Again and again, the beginner.
1: Again, the beginner. So, eighth album, how does this one sound comparative to the rest of your catalog?
0: Every time I finish a record, I have wrung myself completely dry. I put everything I have into it. I have the songs that I have at that time. The album comes out. I think, oh my God, I wonder if I'll ever write and record another album. And then slowly it unfolds. I start to write some songs. And then when I have a batch and I start feeling the itch, I'm ready to go. Now, writing and recording are two completely different things. And so the writing the songs, which is not collaborative or tends not to be for me, uh, is a very introspective solo thing where I'm digging in and working and obsessing and tweaking and then once we start recording, that means I'm teaching the songs to the band, and we're then there's a sense of collaboration with that. We go into the studio at the end of that process. Zoinks, there's another record. The one thing that was a little bit different with this one is I had a batch of songs that I felt was ready to go, but when COVID came along, everything was put on ice. And in the coming year through 2020 and early 2021, I wrote a new batch of songs that I feel reflected some of what was going on either personally but also there's a couple of songs full of of rage for all the (laughs) the bullshit that was flying around one of the songs of rage on the new album is this cut called said and done in a sense it's a protest song but i also remained a little bit vaguer in the sense that if you're too specific in uh, in a protesty type of song then there's a shelf life because Things move on, and even the horrible people eventually become irrelevant. And so uh, that was a song that I started singing during the summer of 2020. There, there was a series of outdoor gigs that I I was doing with my guitar player that I mentioned before, Steve Doyle. And that song just seemed to touch a nerve in folks. And when I taught it to the band, we we knocked it out. It's a super fun rocking song. Not, not, not fun. It's fun to play because of the catharsis that goes on. But that's what rock and roll does.
1: Do you find that you write a lot of songs where like the tone of the music and the tone of the lyrics, they kind of have that dichotomy where it's like, it's a fun song to play, but I'm so mad? Yeah, yes,
0: but the the reason it's the fun part is because of the of the release and the catharsis. Uh, it's it's still I, I still kind of drum up the rage that happens when I wrote the song. But it's the release is fun because playing music. Anybody who's ever been in a band or has watched you, it looks like the musicians are having a really good time playing, whether it's a quiet thing or a loud raucous thing. And it, I will say from experience that it is fun. It's great to be in a band and and make noise like that.
1: Can you think? of any songs that you've written since you've been writing songs for so long where you wrote a protest song it, it had a very specific meaning in your head when you wrote it but it survived the test of time because you kind of gave it that extra shelf life
0: yes and no the the one that I'm doing now that I mentioned said and done I think is written in a certain way that there's always going to be the types of people that triggered the inspiration and rage in that song so unfortunately that's a song that's going to stay relevant I think for a long time there's a song that I wrote back early about the George W. Bush administration where, oh my God, I thought he was just the worst President, this country has ever seen and I wrote a song where the tagline of each of the verses is like this you can't make up and we played it and it was great but there was a couple of lines in one of the verses that was very specific and I found myself for a while not singing the song but then I revisited it and rewrote that verse so it would be more relevant moving forward I could always do that kind of stuff because things like that are a work in progress the thought that once a song is done printed, recorded and you can't adjust things is not true. You could always go back and change a word, change a, a phrase. When all is said and done, now that common sense is numb, this story will be written in a cave. The present and the future are just bastards of the
1: past, and the calendar just takes it day to day. Have you ever been compared to other artists that either A, you found the comparison favorable or B, totally insulted by the comparison?
0: There have been reviewers and people who have written things who have said he reminds me of some of Elvis Costello, Frank Zappa, or Tom Waits, or Richard Thompson, or things like that. Who are all great artists who I love, but I feel like a lot of those descriptions and comparisons are just coming through the frame of reference or whoever is is making them. Somebody once wrote, wrote he obviously has that that I have obviously listened to a lot of Frank Zappa. Well, I I do like Frank Zappa, and I have listen to him, but I didn't obsess over him and I didn't listen to him very much. And I, at the time, I I didn't have any Frank Zappa records. So I feel it was coming from the writer's frame of reference, but I was happy with it. It didn't bother me at all.
1: You, You talked about like retrofitting the guitar and you talked about some electric work. What is your favorite guitar to play? And have you branched out to any other instruments?
0: I typically play an acoustic guitar at the gigs, even with the rocking band. I I tend to play acoustic. It just works in the context of the sound and the textures of what we're doing. Doyle typically plays Fender Telecaster, which gets a lot of different sounds ranging from twangy to rocking. I do have a couple of electrics that I play. I use some of those in the studio there's uh, a gibson hollow body 335 that i love and a a Fender stratocaster i also played a little bit of a rickenbacker 12 string on the album as far as other instruments i play flute didn't play any on this record i do harmonica on some of the live shows there's some songs that we play where I'll, i'll play a little harmonica i have been teaching myself mandolin over the last couple of years but have not had the the courage to play it in front of people yet
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, you said flute at the beginning and I was like, oh, multi-instruments, like a lot of right, times, right. a lot of times artists that start with multiple instruments keep going and and sort of amassing them. Well, I, I used to play
0: flute more often in the early part of my career, and even with, with the band where I would play the flute in live shows, but I got tired of people, drunk people in particular, shouting out Tull every time I picked up the flute. I was like, all right. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, but don't get me wrong. I, I really do like Jethro Tull, but I got tired of people going,
1: Tull!
0: It's kind of their, the flute version of Freebird.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you purposely avoid ever playing Jethro Tull? Just just on principle?
0: Not on principle, but I I don't cover a whole lot of tunes. I don't not play tall songs out of principle I just I just don't play any I don't play a lot of songs of a lot of people
1: yeah that's fair is there anything that you do like to cover or that's like your warm-up song that's like kind of your favorite
0: I love covering a a bunch of Dylan songs I could find my way through them and I can find my voice in them and I have favorites and it's my band to call the song so I'm going to call some Dylan songs I so I, I often do those there's a couple of Neil Young songs that I've been playing on and off for years with steady hand, a jeweler turns a germ into a gem, repeats the lie that starts to turn the root into a stem, the vine that snakes around the truth and chokes it with a twirl.
1: So is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like people to know or that folks folks should be aware about?
0: I would love to meet some of your listeners. I hope they, they come out and either live to, to catch a show. They could go to alrosemusic.com and see where I'm playing. They could find me on Facebook. Uh, they could go and, and if they don't want to see me live until they listen to stuff they could find me on all the streaming platforms and Bandcamp.
1: thank you so much for joining us today this has been a chirp artist interview with al rose you're listening to chirp radio 107.1 fm thank you it's been great this has been an artist interview from chirp radio
0: you can find this and more interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts